Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. We just finished the 2020 NBA draft, and now it's time for some reactions. I brought in the Athletics' Tony Jones uh, to take us through draft grades for the Western Conference from the 2020 draft. Uh, but before we dive into draft grades, it's it's late. <laughs> Both of us are a little bit tired. Uh, this is draft night. Tony, what's your overall reaction to the draft? You know, I thought it was I thought it was fun. Um, I thought it was uh, what I predicted. I mean, what you know, a lot of people predicted, and what we a lot of people talked about. It was fluid. Um, you know, there were a lot of um, there were some surprises, multiple surprises. Uh, we got to take a victory lap because we 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 were touting Patrick Williams, and and look what happened. Um, so, you know, I thought it was one of those, I thought it was one of those drafts that, you know, it was, it was, there was a lot of uncertainty going into it just because, you know, what we talked about in terms of the uncertainty, uh, at the top of the draft. And, and I think that it lived up to his billing. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I was going over this with Locke, uh, why, while the mock draft was pretty squirrely after the first four picks, um, really squirrely, uh, in my opinion, uh, especially mine. Uh, it actually conformed actually quite nicely to the big board. And with a few exceptions, you know, guys for the most part were drafted in their draft range. Uh, it just uh, not always to the teams that we had predicted. We're going to go over the 2020 draft grades for the Western Conference now. And we're going to do this in draft order. So I'm going to start with the team that had the number one pick in the draft, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They selected Anthony Edwards at one, uh, Leandro Bomaro at 23, and Jaden McDaniels at 28. Uh, a lot of talent there uh, from Minnesota uh, in, in all in the first round. What was your reaction to Minnesota's draft and what grade would you give them? I would give them a, a grade of a B. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards is a, is a good fit for what they want to do. Uh, like we talked about, I think, uh, I think he's going to, you, you, you're reasonably sure that he's going to be a scorer at the NBA level for, for 10 years. Um, what's beyond that is how, how much he develops uh, the other parts of his game. Uh, I, I really like, them getting Jaden McDaniels. I really like them getting Leandro Balmero. Um, I think Balmero goes back overseas for at least a year. Uh, but the, the question for Minnesota is how they develop, because that's what it's going to be all about for Jaden McDaniels. It's what the culture is going to be, how they develop him. And, you know, that's, that's really, um, that's really the line between whether McDaniels is, is going to be a, a good NBA player or whether he's not. Um, I think that Edwards, regardless of culture, regardless of uh, developing, I mean, he's, he's going to be a 20 points per game score because he just has too many tools. The question for him is, you know, just developing the, the other parts of his game. But I like uh, Balmero. Um, I like McDaniels. Uh, and, and I and I like Edwards. You get three young guys at three different positions because I do think that Balmero can be a point guard in this league. Um, you get three guys at three different spots, uh, and and I, I think it's a solid foundation for them. I gave him a B plus, so close to your B. 
Uh, and you, why, why not give him an A? Well, one, I, I, I think LaMelo Ball was the better prospect, and so they passed on what I think was the best prospect in the draft. Uh, two, I think Anthony Edwards, like Jaden McDaniels, is going to be more of a work in progress than people think, just because he has all the physical tools uh, to dominate in the NBA. I don't think he has the game experience. I don't think he has the feel for the game, given where Minnesota wants to go. One thing that I, I think is underrated about their draft is that they traded and brought in Ricky Rubio. And I think that bringing in Rubio takes that pressure off Anthony Edwards. That means almost for sure he's coming off the bench now. Rubio and D'Angelo Russell will be the starting backcourt there in Minnesota. I actually prefer that, I think, for Anthony Edwards and his development. I, I, I am one of those guys that said I, probably from like 15, 16 on, take a swing at Jaden McDaniels. You might strike out, but if you hit gold, you could hit big time gold. So getting him at 28 was great. And I've been a Balmaro guy for a long time. He won't be with Minnesota uh, next year and maybe for a couple of years. But as Ricky Rubio starts to sort of fade out, uh, Balmaro certainly seems like he could be a guy who could come in and make an impact uh, for them down the road. And he continues to develop. So overall, I, I liked their draft. And I actually think Rubio made it even more intriguing, but also probably take, takes away Anthony Edwards' shot at winning Rookie of the Year. Well, I, I think that Rubio gives him stability, right? Like he's, you know, Rubio is a glue guy and he's a, he's a stabilizer and he's a galvanizer. Um, you know, I, I actually think that, you know, Rubio coming off the bench for 25 minutes is probably the way to go. Um just basically because, you know, D'Angelo Russell is so dynamic with the ball in his hands that for me, it's tough to take the ball out of his hands. Now, I don't know that I don't know whether that makes um, whether that puts Anthony Edwards in the lineup. It, it, it still might not put him in the starting lineup. Um, and I do agree with you completely that I think that LaMelo Ball was probably the number one guy on the board. Uh, and we we've definitely talked about that. So. You know, I, I, I give him a B. I think it's a solid draft. I think that, um, you know, obviously Minnesota tried pretty hard to move the pick. Um, and once they weren't able to, I think that they took, uh, I, I think that, you know, Anthony Edwards is a solid, safe uh, pick. And, you know, and just I just want, I just don't know what Edwards is going to become other than the scoring. Uh, but if, you know, if he becomes a lot more other than the scoring, if he develops the playmaking for others, if he de develops defensively, if he develops off the dribble, uh, then you got a potential star. Uh, he's a potential A-lister. So, you know, it, it's definitely a B. I, I definitely think uh, it, it was a solid, a good draft for the Timberwolves. And I will say this. If Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels hit, People are going to be laughing at us that we gave them a B because they could end up with two of the top five players in this draft uh, if the, if both of those guys hit. So there is significant upside for this Minnesota team. And if Edwards reached his peak and McDaniels reached his peak next to Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, uh, that that's a real wow. Uh, another underrated, I, I think, move bringing in Ricky Rubio is you know the major questions about defense in the backcourt with Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio addresses some of those as well uh, because I think he's an underrated defender. Let's go to Golden State who had the number two pick in the draft and I think we probably should start with what looks like it might be terrible news where 
we're recording tonight, so we'll find out more more on Thursday morning. But Clay Thompson with an injury, people are saying heal. I think we all know what that's code for, and it's one of the scarier injuries uh, in the NBA. And this is a guy that's coming off ACL ACL surgery and rehab. What a dark pall to put over Golden State as they walked into this draft. I thought that they might do something drastic and and maybe try to move this pick and get in a veteran or maybe try to make a run at James Harden or something like that, um, knowing that maybe Klay Thompson wasn't going to be available this year. But they, they stay the course. They select James Wiseman at two. I think one of the more predictable picks that happened in this draft that they've been connected to Wiseman kind of from the beginning. Nico Mannion, uh, the Arizona freshman point guard at 48, uh, who I don't really love, but if there's a team that probably fits him, it's Golden State's. And Justinian Jessup out of Boise State at 51. What was your grade for Golden State? I gave him a B plus because um, I think um, James Wiseman is, is a unique talent. Uh, uh, he's a unique athlete for somebody his size. Um, I think that's a perfect landing spot. Um, he's going to get a lot of, you know, he's going to, he's got a terrific lob radius and he's going to get a lot of lobs as, you know, Draymond Green plays a lot of four on three downhill, uh, basketball out of the pick and roll. Uh, so, you know, he's, I, I thought it was a no brainer pick, um, you know, and, and I do agree with you. I think that I don't love Nico Mannion, but I, I, I definitely think that uh, that's a good spot for him. Um, it's kind of full circle for him and Steph Curry, right? Like he attended Steph Curry's camp and now all of a sudden, you know, Steph Curry is his teammate. And definitely full circle uh, because his father, Pace Mannion, was drafted by the Golden State Warriors in 1983. So uh, definitely full circle for Nico. Uh, very happy for Jessup, who was in a hotel quarantining uh, in Australia uh, when he found out the news uh, that he was drafted. Um, you know, I, I think at Golden State, you know, they 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 took the guy that uh, I think is going to compete uh, for for rookie of the year. I mean, he's going to step in. I think that you know, barring them getting somebody. Uh, pretty good on a free agency market that he's going to step in and, and potentially start from day one. It's just going to be interesting to see how uh, Golden State, uh, what the news is with Clay Thompson and how Golden State reacts from there. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I gave him just a slightly higher grade. I'm just being like slightly more generous than you with an A minus uh, for Golden State. I, I do think that for me, if Lamella was one, uh, Wiseman was like a one B uh, for me. And, and, and LaMelo didn't, in the end, make a ton of sense for Golden State, but Wiseman does. I think that this shows the discipline uh, that Golden State has, the commitment not to just building a winner now, but building one in the future, which I think is a really big deal, and I think fans are going to appreciate it down the road. And I, I believe that Steve Kerr is going to find a way to get him 15, 20 minutes a night and, and and really allow him to start to excel. I know that they think of him more than just as a rim, rim runner, someone who's going to block shots. I think they see him ultimately down the road, not now, but down the road, more in the uh, vision of a Chris Bosh uh, type of player. And if that's if that's what he turns into, this is a fantastic pick for Golden State. And we'll, we'll see with Nico. 
I, I I do like the system. I do like the freedom. I do like uh, the fact that Steph Curry can mentor him. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe he's going to prove us wrong and that we overjudged him after uh, his shaky freshman season at Arizona. Now, this tells you something about the difference between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference because the next seven picks go to the Eastern Conference because all those teams were just worse uh, than the teams out West. And so we go to Phoenix at 10, and this was, for me, the first big surprise uh, of draft night, uh, drafting Jalen Smith out of Maryland at 10. It wasn't a huge reach. I had him going 13 uh, to New Orleans, so that that's only three spots higher. But given some of the guys that were still on the board, like Tyrese Halliburton, uh, you know, for example, I, I, this was a bit of a surprise for me. I'm going to give Phoenix a C-. minus. Um, not because I don't think Jalen Smith is a good player, um, because I do, um, but for this pick to make sense, He's got to be able to play power forward. And I'm not sure that he can on a regular basis. I do think he can play power forward in spots. Don't think he can play it for 25, 30 minutes a night. And if he can't, and then he all of a sudden becomes a 20, 15 minute per night center, which given what was still on the board is not great value at 10. Um, he, I think this signifies that Aaron Baines is probably not coming back to Phoenix. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a guy that's a true pick and pop five, uh, can protect the rim on the other end of the floor, um, really can shoot the ball. I think he's a good prospect, you know, but given what was still on the board, uh, Devin Vassell was still on the board. Uh, Sadiq Bay was still on the board. Aaron Neesmith was still on the board. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton was still on the board. I mean, there were so many um, other very good value picks that were still on the board, uh, especially Halliburton. I mean, Halliburton was the best player available, and you just traded Ricky Rubio. And, you know, what better uh, situation for Halliburton than to draft him and have him be mentored by Chris Paul? So I, I think that that was a real miss there. Uh, I'm going to give Phoenix a C minus. All right. I gave him a D first of all, because I'm going to punish every team, uh, especially at this part in the draft that passes on my guy, Tyrese Halliburton, who was number four in our big board and one of my favorite players in the draft. And I thought was a perfect fit actually in Phoenix for all the reasons you just mentioned uh, being mentored by Chris Paul. We did, we know Chris Paul has a year, you know, maybe two left in the tank uh, for Phoenix right now. I loved the idea of him playing with Devin Booker and at times having Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and uh, Halliburton all on the floor together. I thought that was a possibility as well. This is one of those cases where a team perceives a need and then passes on the best available player, in in my opinion, best available players because Devin Vassell uh, also, in my mind, um, should have gone higher and, and you draft a guy that you think fits a need. And I again, I'm not sure, like you, that he is a four in the NBA. I worry a little bit about the stiffness of his hips and his ability to be able to guard fours um, at the next level. And and so I, I just I think this is a, a case where it's not that Jalen Smith isn't going to be a good prospect. In a lot of ways, you could argue no one's been higher on him than me. I've had him in the lottery uh, now for over a month but not 
ever, ever, ever over Tyrese Halliburton or even Devin Vassell. Uh, so I'm giving them a D. The Spurs were on the clock at 11. They select Devin Vassell out of Florida State, the wing, and Trey Jones, uh, point guard out of Duke at 41. What did you think of the Spurs draft? I gave them a B plus because I think Devin Vassell is um, a real talent um, at, at small forward, and uh, he's at most he's gonna have to he's only gonna have to wait one year before you know he he potentially uh, becomes a starter. Um, he's a, a a true uh, he's a true wing that can that can get it done on, on both ends of the floor. I think he's, you know, he's he's very fearless, plays with a chip on his shoulder, very competitive. And is, is there ever a more San Antonio Spurs point guard than than Trey Jones? Uh, cerebral, tough, heady, defensive minded, uh, run knows how to run a team. I, I think that, that this was an underrated, very good draft for the Spurs. Not many people are talking about it. But I think it's a very, I think it was a very good draft for them, uh, and and you know to be honest, I mean this is where we had Devin Vassell mocked um, for a while. So I mean it it wasn't it wasn't like they did uh, anything special, you know they just they just they just took the best players that came to them, and I. I, I you know I think that it, it was a really good draft for them. Yeah, I did too. I also gave him a B plus. And, and frankly, it probably could be higher with the exception that I think that they passed again on the best player available, Tyrese Halliburton there. But Devin Vassell and Trey Jones, both very much products that look like Spurs players. Uh, Vassell, probably the best 3 and D wing uh, in this draft that truly is a 3 and D wing. And like you said, Trey Jones, I don't think there's huge upside there, but he fits the classic Spurs backup point guard for all the reasons that you talked about a good draft for the Spurs. I think a B plus is a really good grade um, for them. And I think they, they got to feel pretty good about how this turned out for them. Let's go to Sacramento. They have a new general manager. Tyrese Halliburton falls in their lap at 12. I didn't see anybody anywhere that thought that Halliburton was going to make it out of the top seven or eight. Then they get Robert Woodward III uh, at 40, uh, a guy that many people had projected as a late first-round pick. And Jamius Ramsey uh, at 43, another guy that was at uh, earlier in the season projected as a potential first-round pick as well. Uh, they, they got a ton of talent out of Sacramento. What, did you, what grade did you give them? I gave them an A all the way. Uh, for them to get Tyrese Halliburton at 12, uh, that was a steal. Um, he's big enough to play with with uh, De'Aaron Fox in the backcourt. Um, they, they are both crafty enough to exist in the same backcourt. Uh, I think you can play those two and Buddy Heald at the same time uh, in some lineups. Um, and them getting Ramsey, uh, I like that as well. Uh, and also getting Wood- Woodard, uh, as deep in the second round as they did. Uh, I, I thought it was a home run draft for the Sacramento Kings. Um, I, I think that uh, it, I, I think that if you're a Sacramento fan, you're kind of um, 
you're, you're kind of surprised that, you know, your team made the right moves, but they made the right moves. And, and I thought that there was a, a home run draft for them. I'm with you. Uh, I'm giving them the rare A+. Plus because I think they got the fourth best prospect in this draft at 12, and they they didn't really do anything to get it, but they were smart enough to select him. And like like you said, I really actually like his fit with De'Aaron Fox um, in this backcourt. Um, I think he is going to increase a big thing that Sacramento has been talking a lot about, which is improving their culture. I think he's a culture player all the way. And then, you know, they... They swung for the fences a little bit with a, a few prospects in the 40s that still are are young and have significant upside. Uh, Ramsey is a scorer. Woodward is a as a as a three defender, long, athletic, and and maybe some offense there uh, as well. I, I just love this pick, uh, these picks for Sacramento, and I actually think Halliburton might be the guy who can who can help them finally break. Uh, the playoff curse for Sacramento, you know, maybe not because the West is getting, uh, as always, very, very tough right now. Uh, but certainly I think it points them in the right direction. Uh, Tony, uh, when we come back, we're going to take a look at, at five more teams and give them the draft grades. Uh, you're listening to The Athletics' Tony Jones. I'm Chad Ford. You are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm a runner. And every day... As I get to about mile eight or nine, my body starts to slow down. My muscles start tightening up. I need to break through a wall. And that's why I'm so excited about Built Bar's new product, Built Go, a solution to breaking through your wall. So what is your wall and what is Built Go? Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting. It's natural. It's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. You put it in your briefcase or your golf bag or your pocket to get throughout the day. It's the best workout gel on the market. And here's the thing, it is delicious. Much like the Built Bar, it tastes great. It has three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate milk. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine, better results, it's filled with protein. It's amazing stuff. So why don't you try it out? Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. And we are back talking 2020 Western Conference draft grades. We've talked about Minnesota, Golden State, Phoenix, the Spurs, and the Kings. That brings us to the New Orleans Pelicans, who draft Kira Lewis Jr. at 13. Uh, the Alabama point guard, a guy that I've I've really loved in this draft process. What did you think about this pick for the Pelicans? I gave them a C plus because I really like Kira Lewis. I, it's a 
crowded situation there. Um, you've got I'm, – I'm not even going to count Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. You've got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and you've got Lonzo Ball. Um, it's it's going to be tough going for minutes, even if those two are on the, ro- on the roster uh, besides Kara Lewis. Uh, I'm not sure that it's prudent playing either one of those three guys at the two-guard spot off the ball. Um, but, I mean, Kara Lewis is good. He's flat out good. He's, he's super athletic in the open floor. Uh, he's much better than given credit for in half courts, uh, situations. Uh, he's a good pick and roll player. He's a very, uh, polished and very athletic point guard at the same time. Um, I give it a C plus just because of the fit. And just because, I mean, there's going to be some consternation there because right now you have five point guards there. Maybe you can play Alexander Walker uh, off the ball. Uh, so then that means you have four point guards. So, you know, obviously somebody's not going to be there in two weeks or maybe even two days. Um, but, you know, I would have really have liked to see, see uh, Lewis uh, go somewhere uh, where, there was a, where there's a real need for a point guard. Yeah, I see your point there. I gave him a considerably better grade. I actually gave him an A minus, and and I did it because one, I don't think Bledsoe and George Hill are going to be there. I, I think they're going to be wiped off the books. And I think that I think that New Orleans discovered this year when they paired Lonzo Ball with Drew Holiday that Lonzo Ball is better having another ball handler and another guard um, to to play next to him. Uh, the way Drew Holiday is, and I and I I actually think that you can play Lonzo a little bit off the ball. Um, I I think uh, Alexander you can as well, and I, I just think that the talent level. This is one of those things where you know maybe you draft uh, for fit, but as I looked at the board, this was the best player that was still available to them. I think he adds another wrinkle to their offense. They've got a lot of young talent. Uh, on this Pelicans team now, and uh, and I I would have been comfortable with Lewis going three spots higher in the draft, and so uh, I I can't punish the Suns for drafting for a need and passing on the best talent available, and then punish the Pelicans for drafting the best player available and not pursuing a need. So I'm going to go ahead and give them an A minus. Oklahoma City draft. <laughs> Sam Presti, man, all over the place, deal after deal, collecting picks, uh, moving around. And it was the worst kept secret in the draft. Alexis Pokashevsky out of Serbia. Everybody said this is who Oklahoma City wants. They're trying to maneuver and maneuver and maneuver to get him. They finally get up to 17. Uh, There's so many deals. I don't even want to talk about all the deals. I just want to talk about who they ended up with. Um, Well, maybe we should talk about somehow they ended up with Al Horford. Right. <laughs> uh, in uh, Oklahoma City. I mean, <laughs> that that's a surprise. Uh, you know, what, what what he's doing right now is just incredible as far as collecting assets. And Vit uh, Krijic, uh, I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly, uh, out of Croatia at 37, uh, a draft and stash prospect all the way. Uh, what grade did you give Oklahoma City? Um, I gave them an A for the totality of the night. Um, not only uh, for getting Poku, 
Uh, I think that Theo Maladin fits them really well. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, obviously they, they got their guy. Um, they picked up another first round pick uh, for taking on Al Horford. Um, you know, so I, listen, this is just part of the grand plan to, and you know what Sam Presley likes. He loves long, athletic guys. Uh, at every position. So uh, this was, this was, you know, the epitome of a Thunder draft. And uh, I, I, I really uh, think that that Maladin is going to be good for them. Um, I really think that Poku has a chance to be good for them. They, they, they develop well. Uh, and, you know, and they came away, they came away from the day uh, from, from the day with extra assets. So, uh, I give them an A. I think that Sam Presti is is as good uh, at what he does as anybody in the business. I gave him a B, and uh, for much of the same reasons that you did, in that they continue to collect assets, they can't continue to be creative, they continue to the stockpile picks. Um, I, I gave him a B because I'm not like totally sold on the actual players that they ended up with, like Poku uh, at 17, uh, Theo Maladon at 34. Uh, I, I like both of those guys. Uh, I wondered in both cases, uh, especially at 17, whether there weren't better prospects uh, available to them. Poku especially, there are concerns not about the talent level, uh, but just given his body and when he's going to be ready, if he's going to be bet ready. This isn't just a, a matter of give it, getting him minutes. Uh, I'm just not sure what strength and conditioning coach is going to be able to really get him uh, a, a anything close to an NBA body. And so that's what scares me just a little bit. Uh, and Maladon, I, I do like, uh, and I, I definitely think that at 34, uh, he's a good prospect there. But I just wasn't as sold as some people were. Uh, that this guy, uh, Pokashevsky, really was the 17th best prospect in this draft, in part because I, I just think it, it's going to be a, a long road um, ahead to develop him. I, I, hope he's, I hope it's wrong because he certainly has the talent. Um, but at the end of the day, you can collect all the assets in the world, but you actually have to have players on, on the court. And there was just a few guys that personally for me I liked better at 17 uh, than than Poku, okay. It's Dallas at 18. Man, they had a big big night. Uh, Josh Green uh, out of Arizona at 18. Tyrell Terry, the Stanford point guard that many of us had in the first round, falling to them at 31. Tyler Bay uh, out of Colorado uh, goes to them at 36, and they make a trade uh, that sends uh, Seth Curry. Uh, to Philadelphia, and they get back Josh Richardson um, as well in this deal. Uh, some big, big moves for Dallas on draft night. Uh, what grade did you give them? I gave them an A plus. Um, not only, um, not only the the value uh, that they got with J Josh Green, uh, they, they they know what they have in Luka Doncic, right? So they said, okay. We did not – we had a chance to beat the Clippers. We did not beat the Clippers because we did not have enough guys defensively. We did not have enough length. We did not have enough athleticism. 
and they address that in a, in a big way. Uh, Josh Richardson is ready to step in and start from day one. Uh, Josh Green is a terrific two-way prospect. Uh, Tyrell Terry, you replace Seth Curry with Tyrell Terry. Obviously, he's a couple of years, he's years behind where Seth Curry is, but he's the same. You're, you're talking about the same kind of guy uh, in terms of a great shooter. Um, you know, and, and Tyler Bay is, is a top three defender in the draft. Uh, and he's, you know, they added length, they added athleticism, they added shooting, they added defense, and they added toughness, most of all. So I'm going to give them an A+. Plus. I thought that they had uh, possibly the best night in the draft. Yeah, it, I, I gave a, I gave him an A because I'll only give one A plus. I already gave that out to, to Sacramento, but I I just thought it was a huge night for them. Uh, you know, things fell their way. Josh Green being there, Sadiq Bay was there as well, and I think that was the debate in their war room. And either of those guys, uh, I think at 18 would have been a, a big get for them. Uh, but just like you said, they added two of the best athletes in the draft. Josh Green tested off the charts at the NBA Combine. Tyler Bay may be one of the three best athletes in this draft. Uh, just super explosive. And you, as you said, both of those guys, uh, their ability to defend multiple positions on the floor. Tyrell Terry, his comp really was Seth Curry, uh, right? And so they get off Seth Curry and get Tyrell Terry on a much better contract and a much better uh, deal. He might not be able to play Big minutes for them from day one, uh, but there's a lot to, to talk about there. And then I know Josh Richardson wasn't necessarily part of the draft, but part of the strategy of who they're putting around Kristaps Porzingis uh, and Luka Doncic. And I just think, I think Dallas is going to be a handful next year. I'm not sure exactly where I put them in a very stacked Western conference, but they're going to be a handful. Yeah, they're going to be, uh, they're, they're going to be difficult to deal with. Um, you know, they're going to have to navigate you know, not having Kristaps Porzingis for the first part of the season. Uh, but when you look at um, when when you look at what they added and, you know, this is the perfect example of a team knowing they have a superstar and going out to build around that superstar. And they know that the more three and D guys, the more athletes, the more long and rangy players that they can add around Luka Doncic, uh, the better. Uh, and you know, the, I, the thing I like about Tyrell Terry is he's just not a, not just a shooter. Uh, he's a guy that can get that, that can create off the dribble as well. Uh, so I thought that they had uh, a home run night for, for what they needed. And I think that, uh, they're going into uh, free agency feeling, feeling pretty good about themselves. Okay. Let's move on to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they had two first round picks, Zeke Naji. At 22, uh, the freshman center out of Arizona. And R.J. Hampton, uh, who played uh, pro ball in New Zealand last year with a with a pretty big draft night slide uh, to 24. I think one of the guys that, that surprised me that he slid this far in the draft. Uh, what did you think about Denver's draft? I gave them a B uh, because I think Zeke Naji was a really good pick for them. Um, you know, they're probably going to lose one of their bigs. Uh, 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 in a few days, um, and you know, Najee, I, I think is is going to be a real compliment to to uh, to what Jokic uh, provides. He's uh, a guy that has upside as a shooter. Uh, he plays, you know, with energy. Uh, he's got plays with bounce. Uh, he plays really hard. 
uh, has a chance to develop on both ends of the floor. I thought that that was a really good pick for them. And I thought that RJ Hampton was a really good pick for them because they don't need him uh, to step in and do anything right away. Uh, you know, he can develop for a year or two. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a stacked backcourt. Uh, so I, I, I gave them a solid B. Uh, I thought that I thought that Denver had a good night. I have them just slightly lower at a B minus, and part of it was I, I still I still feel like Najee at twenty two, like a slight reach there uh, for them. A drafting need again over best available player. Some of that was made up by taking Hampton at 24. I, I think his upside at this point is definitely worth the risk that's there. Denver has gambled on guys like this in the past. He's just such a great athlete. If he figures out how to shoot it at all, this is going to be yet another one of these feathers in, in Denver's cap. Uh, Najee, just to me, he doesn't excite me uh, the way that he does some teams. Uh, I, I think it maybe it's his inability to protect the rim. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, you know, whether he, uh, you know, develops the way that I think teams are hoping he develops when they look at that body um, at 22. Uh, but it's a defensible pick for them, absolutely. Uh, and just a little bit lower with a B minus for me. All right. The moment you've been waiting for, I'm going to make you wait until after these messages to hear Tony Jones give his grade to the Utah Jazz when we return to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we are back. And with the Athletics' Tony Jones, we are giving draft grades to every team in the Western Conference we have now gone through nine teams, and the one, Tony, that I know you're waiting on, you know this team better than anybody um, in the league, the Utah Jazz select a Kansas player, Udoko Azabuke, uh, at 27, big man, huge, I mean big with a capital B, he's a monster, and Elijah Hughes, uh, the shooting guard out of Syracuse at 39, what grade do you give the Jazz? I gave them a B minus um, because I, I thought that getting Elijah Hughes was big. Um, the Jazz wanted to be in the second round. Um, so here's the thing with uh, Udoka Azabuki. Uh, Jazz fans were not happy with the pick. Uh, I think that they wanted either Jaden McDaniels or, or Desmond Bain. Uh, this was a need pick, and this was a pick that uh, that that Azabuki was number one on the Jazz's board uh, for a couple of weeks. Uh, the the Jazz uh, need somebody who can defend the paint uh, in the twelve to fifteen minutes that Rudy Gobert is on the bench. Uh, so that's where the need came from. Uh, I think that you know I docked them. Uh, a grade or two because uh, same thing with Jalen Smith with, with Phoenix. Um, Azabuki's ceiling for a role is, is 15 minutes a night. And if it's anything uh, bigger than that, then that means that Rudy Gobert is not on the roster. Uh, so, um, you know, is that worth a first round pick? 
maybe, maybe not at number 27, um, you know, but the, the, the thing about it is I think the Jazz, A, they traded down because they knew that they could get Azubuki at 27, uh, and they knew that uh, a 23 is a reach. Uh, but B, if you don't take him at 27, is he still there at 38? And it, there's a chance that he's not. So, you know, I, I, I definitely think uh, that I see both sides of this argument. Uh, but I, I definitely think that the Jazz feel potentially what they feel, feel, feel was a big need. And then at the same time, they still got back into the draft uh, and, and got a wing uh, that they desperately needed, needed as well. Uh, so I gave him a B, a B minus. I gave him a B plus and in, in part just because they selected a Kansas player. Uh, but in, in seriousness, you know, when you're this at this point in the draft at, at 27, if you look historically at the picks at 27, if if a player is giving you 15 minutes a night on a playoff team, that's actually pretty good value. Uh, at the 27th pick. And so I, I thought, yes, there was, uh, you know, Jaden McDaniels was on the board. Desmond Bain was on the board. But but look, the in my mind, the difference between the Jazz advancing in the playoffs last year and them not advancing in the playoffs was that fifth was those 15 minutes when Tony Bradley uh, was was on the floor uh, for them. And and Azabuke is is a monster. I mean, at you know seven foot with a seven seven wingspan, uh, his athleticism, uh, his bounce, he, he's going to finish everything above the rim. You just got to pray that he isn't fouled uh, because he's not going to make his free throw shots at at forty four percent. But he kind of reminds me in some ways of a young DeAndre Jordan. And you know, I know the league has sort of moved on, and and people say you know what's the value in taking a center, but. I, I still think there's places in the league for a guy like this, and especially in Utah. And so, you know, here's a team who's trying to make make it to that next to that next series, and I think he may actually solve this need for them. Well, you hit it right on the head um, because those 15 minutes that Rudy Gobert uh, sat in every game in the Denver series that probably cost the Jazz the series, um, and. Uh, stylistically, um, you know, the Jazz play a ton of drop big and, and Azubuki is pretty effective in, in drop big. So the questions are, you know, are, is he going to be able to exist in a switching defense? Can he move his hips and his, move his feet and laterally enough to stay with guards? Um, but you only, need to, you only need him to do it for 12 to 15 minutes a night. You only need them to do it for second units. And the underrated thing is the Jazz had to play differently with Tony Bradley on the floor. With Azubuki on the floor, they could play the same way uh, on both ends of the floor that they play that they play with Gobert on the floor. So, you know, I gave them I gave them a high grade because uh, I gave them a B minus because uh, Azubuki is is really good for what they need. And they were able to 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 uh, get back into the draft and and take a wing in Elijah Hughes, who's really good offensively, but has question defense questions defensively. Um, but at the same time, yes, they they passed on players with with higher upside, if that make, makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it, and I didn't even talk about Elijah Hughes, but, 
you know, every every jazz fan that's upset that they didn't take Desmond Bain. I'm I'm not sure that there's such a huge gap uh, between uh, Hughes and Desmond Bain. Uh, and you know, everybody questions the defense, but part of the question is because he played at Syracuse and he was in zone all the time. And so we have to say that with every single Syracuse player uh, that that comes in, we're not sure uh, how they're going to be able to adjust. But offensively, I, I thought he really improved. I think he could be a decent, you know, ninth, tenth man, uh, you know, off the bench uh, for Utah as well. I, I just, I, I think they did well for what they need to do. And I, I actually think the other underrated part of this was then it allowed them to trade Tony Bradley and free up a little bit more uh, room uh, to sign a free agent, which I think is 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 another sort of underrated part of this deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely going to free up room, and they're going to be aggressive in free agency and. You know, and, and I'm not sure that they're not – I'm not – I cannot sit here and tell you that they're not going to go after another big. Um, you know, so I, I think that they're going to try to get off of Ed Davis's salary. Uh, I think that they're going to uh, to to uh, keep trying to offload salary uh, so that they can uh, sign Jordan Clarkson and comfortably uh, use the mid-level exception. Um, so, you know, I think that there are, are different, there, there are definitely things, um, that the jazz, uh, are going to be going to try to do, uh, in the coming days, uh, as we head towards free agency, I don't think that they're done by a long shot. Yeah, I don't either. And, and, and there's still a lot of hope there, um, in Utah. Let's go to the Memphis Grizzlies who didn't have a first round pick, but traded in, uh, took Boston's pick at 30, uh, selected a guy that I think many Jazz fans had wished the Jazz had selected, Desmond Bain, um, out of TCU, uh, senior uh, wing. And then Xavier uh, Z- Tillman, uh, the power forward out of Michigan State, uh, who maybe doesn't have much of an upside, but man, everybody that that watched this guy, that was around this guy, loved him uh, in the draft at 35. Uh, what did you think of their draft? Uh, I gave them a B plus. I thought it was a good draft. Um, I, I think that, you know, they, they uh, went for hardworking, um, defensive-minded, athletic guys. I really love Tillman. Uh, I think that he's a grown man. That's the, those are the two words that I've been using uh, as adjectives for him uh, for, for the last month and a half, just grown man. Uh, I think that he fits in well with what they what they're what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know, for a team that didn't have, like you said, didn't have a first round pick, uh, I thought that they came out uh, really well um, with with a uh, with a couple of rotation players. I think that Desmond Bain uh, fit in fits in uh, is a tremendous fit for them, uh, especially uh, playing alongside of John Morant. So. You know, I, I gave I gave them a pretty high grade. I think that they they had a really good draft. I also gave them a B plus, and I'm just really right in line with you. I mean, they they have their stru- uh, stars uh, in John Morant and Jaron Jackson, and I think it's now a, a question of of putting the right guys around them. You know, I think Dylan Brooks is part of that mix, but Bain and Tillman to me. I just think we're great additions to adding some depth, some character, some experience, even though they're younger players uh, to this team. Bain obviously adding uh, some potent shooting as well. You know, Memphis, they're they're not quite ready for primetime yet. Not 
as crowded as the Western Conference is right now, but they're continuing to build a team that can grow together. And and I just I, I thought both of these were very big value picks uh, in in the 30s. Portland uh, trades the 16th pick. Uh, they got Robert Robert Covington out of that out of Houston. Uh, earlier, a couple of days before the draft. So they're left with a 46th pick in the draft and and took a guy that, I'm going to be honest, wasn't wasn't on my board. Uh, C.J. Ellaby uh, out, of, out of Washington, uh, Washington State, uh, who uh, actually, you know, ranked fourth in Pac-12 in scoring and, and seventh in rebounding, first in steals, um, actually, uh, in, uh, uh, in, as, as a sophomore uh, out of Washington State, at 46, uh, what did you think of this pick? So he's a guy that I think is really interesting, right? Um, you know, he was two-time Pac-12 player of the week. Uh, he's the first player in Washington State history to lead the team in scoring, rebounding, steals, and blocking the season. So he's a two-way guy, uh, really stepped up uh, in his sophomore season. Freshman season made 41% of his three-point attempts. He's long, he's lanky, he's athletic. Uh, you know, he's a good spot-up shooter. He's a very, very, very good re- rebounder uh, for, her, for his position. Um, you know, not, I think that he's somebody that really went under the radar, uh, went under the radar in, in, in the pre-draft process. So, you know, I, I think, that, you know, he's a guy that has a chance. Uh, you, you know, you take him, you develop him. Uh, he needs strength. He needs probably about 20 more pounds, but you see what you have in him. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that, uh, I'm first of all, I'm going to give Portland a B plus and I'm going to give him a B plus because their draft was, was essentially, uh, getting Robert Covington. Um, but you know, I'm really interested in, in LB, uh, six foot seven, 200 pounds. Like I said, he, he needs development. Uh, but he's a guy that 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 I'm definitely interested uh, in uh, to see what what he is down the line. But you know, Portland gets a B plus because um, they came out of they came out of this process with with Robert Covington, and obviously he's one of the the, the top uh, three and D players in basketball. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I, I I think you have to look at at what they essentially got with their second round pick, and with their second round pick, it's not hard to see that there wasn't Robert Covington uh, with, I'm sorry, with the 16th pick, there wasn't a Robert Covington just laying around uh, anywhere. And so I really feel like that's the strength of that. I gave him a B as well. And LB, you know, I, I think he is an interesting prospect. I was asleep on him a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, I did not have him in my top 60, uh, but did some ho- more homework on him after the draft and, and can see why they were intrigued with him uh, as as a as, as a second round pick. Let's go to the Houston Rockets, uh, who also briefly owned the 16th pick in the draft uh, before they traded it away. Uh, they end up with Kenyon Martin Jr. Yeah, so I mean, I, you know, I give him I give him a C. Uh, I'm not sure that first of all, Kenyon Martin Jr. is, I mean. When you talk about athletic, he is an elite athlete. And his father was, uh, God, I'm getting old. <laughs> his father was an elite athlete. Now, Junior isn't nearly as big as his father was. Uh, Kenya Martin Sr. was 
Uh, if I'm, if I remember correctly, he's six. He was six nine, two forty, but I mean, he just jumped out of the gym and he was so explosive, uh, and he was well defined, really muscular. Uh, Kenny Martin Jr. isn't that big. He's six seven, two fifteen, doesn't have the length that his father has, that his father had, but he has the athleticism that his father had. Uh, Kenny, I think Kenny Martin Jr. is going to be able to um, have a chance to to find his way in the league just because of his athleticism alone. It is just uh, he is a sensational athlete. He dunks everything uh, really good. Weak side shot blocker, um, you know. So you know he's he's going to get a chance uh, to to play his way into a rotation. Um, he plays bigger than his height, really good rebounder. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I would definitely give him a chance. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would give Houston uh, overall a C. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I mean, I don't know what they're doing uh, right now. And it, it seemed like there was opportunities for Houston to start to um, rebuild because I just don't know uh, that it's going to be tenable to stay with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I, I know they're trying to hold tough right now and not be bullied by those players, but I, I, I've been around the league enough to know who ultimately wins these fights and uh, who, who's going to lose. I just don't think the Rockets have figured that out um, yet. And so, you know, here was an opportunity, uh, whether at 16 or whether to try to, you know, package James Harden to move up higher in the draft. Uh, and, you know, they didn't do it. They ended up with Kenyon Martin Jr. And, and they lost Robert Covington, uh, you know, as part uh, of a deal uh, at, at 16. It, you know, it, I thought it was a tough night uh, for Houston. Uh, I, I gave them a D. Uh, I just don't know what they're doing uh, right now. And, and it's not anything against Martin Jr. Other than if they're trying to keep those guys, I, I don't. I don't, I don't see him helping right away. He's coming from IMG uh, postgraduate team. Uh, it's gonna, he's going to be in the D league, uh, G league next year. And uh, there are concerns about him being a tweener, despite the athleticism. I just didn't love it. And I just didn't love what they did, or maybe it was the lack of what they didn't do or did do on draft night that, that bothered me. All right. This is the last Western conference team. We have the Los Angeles Clippers. They select Jalen Scrub. Uh, the Juco Player of the Year at 55. And they also do a draft night deal that lands them Luke Kennard uh, out of Detroit as well. And uh, they had to trade uh, Landry Shamit uh, as part of that deal, uh, Shamit uh, moving on to Brooklyn. Uh, what did you think about the Clippers night? I gave them an A because I, I think they significantly upgraded with the trade from Shamit to Luke Kennard. Not that Luke Kennard is such a better player than Landry Shamit, because I think, I mean, you know, all in all, I think it's close, but he's a much better fit um, because I think that uh, the Clippers needed, uh, they needed more ball in hand on their second unit. And Luke Kennard is, is, is so very underrated ball in hand. Uh, and I really like uh, them getting Otoru uh, as well. So, um, I, I think that, you know, I think that they had a really good draft. Um, and I, I really think that, that Jay Scrub is going to have a chance to stick, uh, because he's, he's, he's an underrated guy. 
Uh, and he's a guy who, you know, we talked about and, and, and he's a bucket getter. Uh, so, you know, I think that they had a really good night uh, dealing with the constraints that they had. I also think that the big news here obviously was Luke Kennard uh, getting a guy who is a lottery pick um, essentially uh, is and, and a guy like you said that I think really fits them and what they need right now and who actually had a pretty good um, season uh, for them. Uh, Jalen Scrub, the Juco uh, player of the year. Uh, you know, we were joking that maybe he's going to go, you know, late first round, maybe even mid first round. He ends up going, you know, 55. I think that's more appropriate, but certainly a guy that um, they can uh, develop as well. And so overall, I, I gave them uh, an A minus as well. Uh, it probably had more to do with Luke Kennard than anything else, but uh, the Clippers got better. And I think that's what matters. Tony, I'm going to put you on the spot for one last question. Because I know you are a diehard Knicks fan. <laughs> and I know we're not doing the Eastern Conference, but just curious, uh, the New York Knicks, uh, they they had a night. Uh, Obi Toppin at 8, Emmanuel Quickly at 25, who I think was probably the biggest surprise of the first round. Uh, I'm going to give them an A-. minus. Okay, why are you giving them an A-? minus? Because I can tell you a lot of Knicks fans were not happy. Uh, with I don't care what Knicks fans think. Obi Toppin is currently the best player in the draft. And we talked about this. And, um, yes, he's another power forward. But all of those power forwards aren't going to be on the roster on opening night. Uh, Obi Toppin is, I, I think they, like I, like I said before, I think he's going to be, at the very least, he's going to be 15 and 10 for 10 years. Um, you know, I, I think that I'm not in love with Emmanuel quickly, but I really do like uh, Daniel Toru. Uh, I think that, that he's a guy that plays hard, plays with a lot of energy, really athletic. I think the Knicks had a good night. I really do. Uh, I think that Obi Toppin was a home run pick for them. I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk I, I, you I want to I, of course, I wouldn't have it. First, I told you I'm going to punish all these teams that passed on Tyrese Halliburton. But, you know, here's the, here's the other thing um, that, you know, just help me understand with the Knicks. What are they doing? Uh, you know, I mean, are they gunning for, you know, 38, 38 wins, uh, you know, a 40-win team? I mean, at what point are, are they going to do something that that's a little ballsy? Because, I, look, Obi Toppin, I, I get it. He He's probably going to come in and and be the favorite to win rookie of the year he's 22 years old I think you're right I think the Knicks are going to give him big minutes but he's not a guy that you build your team around RJ's not that guy uh, I, I don't think Mitch Robinson uh, is that guy I think they could have gotten up in the draft if they'd figured out a way to do that and maybe get a LaMelo I just wonder, at, you know, at what point is it that they magically think that there's going to be like one of these elite free agents that's finally going to choose New York um, and come here and that's how they're going to get good. I just I just don't see the plan with getting these guys that are like they're they're solid. Um, they're pretty good. But, you know, who are they building their team around? Well, they don't have that guy on the roster right now, you know, uh, so they have to they have to get that guy. And, and that's the question. And, and as good as Halliburton is, is I'm not sure that he's that guy either. You know, I mean the so, you know, it's 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 going to be a process for them. I think that listen, I'm so jaded that I'm just really happy that the Knicks have finally got a guy 
that I know that's going to be productive for a decade. Like, that's my baseline right now. Like, I am also a fan of the Washington football team. So I just want a quarterback that I know is going to throw for 250 yards and one touchdown every single week. Okay? I don't, I don't, I don't need Aaron Rodgers on my Washington football team. Okay? Just give me Trent Dilfer. Don't mess it up. And, and that is Obi Toppin, okay? He, listen, he's not, he doesn't have the ceiling that other guys have, but he doesn't have the floor, okay? And the Knicks have to get guys in that are just going to be productive guys, and then you figure it out down the line, and you figure out how to get a Kay Cunningham or how to get, um, or how to get an Imani Bates or how to get a, a, a Jalen Green or somebody like that. That's that's the that's my whole mindset. I am so sorry for the rant. But getting Obi Toppin pro- probably keeps <laughs> and get, getting Obi Toppin probably keeps them a little bit further away, you know, uh, from getting uh, one of those prospects next year because he's going, he's going to make them more respectable. You know, and that's fine. We're going to win forty. We're going to win thirty-seven games for the next four years. Okay. Yeah, you're going to be like Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, okay. Uh, that's this is by far my favorite part of the podcast. Uh, I, I like I like you letting loose, Tony. Um, that's that's the best Tony Jones right there um, that we've heard. Hey, you know, look, it's it, it's it's now like what like one thirty in the morning uh, in in Utah right now. Uh, Tony, you're a warrior. It's one thirty two in the morning and in Utah, and my day started with the Jazz trading down at about eight thirty this morning. So I've been going off and on for about 17 hours. Tony Jones, he's a warrior. I uh, really appreciate you doing this so late at night, uh, breaking down the Western Conference grades. I, I've loved having you on uh, the, the 2020 podcast, and and I really want you back uh, to be breaking down all the guys in 2021, Tony. Absolutely. Tomorrow we will come back with our Eastern Conference ga- grades. Uh, Brad Rowland from Locked on Hawks is going to break down all of the grades for the Eastern Conference. All right. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.